This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're bringing you a conversation from May 2016 with Colin Barron talking about a theology of food and drink. You may have noticed that in the Bible people are often around a table conducting their business. It seems to be a big part of the advance of God's kingdom. Colin unpacks this for us and helps us see why it is so important in our churches and church planting today. You can find this full hangout, including a Q&A with Colin and notes on everything that he has to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 38. Here is Colin Barron. One of the things that um, I've noticed is uh, food has become quite a big deal in all that we're doing uh, and uh, planting churches. I um, uh, had a conversation with someone uh, a few years ago and the conversation went something like this. Colin, every time we put food on in our church or our small group, we get loads of people there. And uh, when it's prayer meeting and normal stuff, we don't get that many. And the backdrop to the question was a bit of an accusation that people only turn up for food. And uh, I retorted a little bit and said, well, I tend to turn up mainly to groups that have food and uh, because I think they're the best ones. Um, it kind of made me a little, um, not annoyed, but challenged because I was thinking, I, I, I honestly believe there's something more about the whole hospitality and food than just because it attracts more people. I also noticed that on the Alpha courses, of course, food is a central ingredient. Um, sorry about the pun. To um, to actually what happens, the people gather, and, and when Nicky Gumbel started, it was, I think, in his home and gathered around his dining room table for a supper, as they would say, down in the Knightsbridge. And uh, then uh, they would talk and discuss uh, about the gospel and about Jesus. And I thought to myself, actually, we can have people who, for the first eight or ten weeks of their journey into the church, actually have food as a central uh, kind of part of it, Bible, prayer, worship. And then they come into normal church and actually get some biscuits occasionally, (laughs) get uh, coffee that's sometimes a little lukewarm and... and, uh, I mean, a bit over cynical, but actually, there's just a seems to be a bit of a mismatch between the entry and then uh, into the church. I began to also look and see that uh, one of the qualifications of an elder in the New Testament, along with uh, having one wife and uh, having a good reputation in the community, is that they're hospitable. And uh, I thought, wow, that actually it's such an important subject that if an elder's not hospitable, that is actually 
rules them out of leadership. And then I read, I think it's in Hebrews, where it says some of you have entertained strangers, angels, when you've entertained strangers. And the more I looked at them, the more I, I realised that the Bible has a lot to say about hospitality beyond the fact that somebody likes me and many others actually enjoy meetings for when it's around food. And so for the next just 20 minutes, I, I want to kind of, when I say upgrade, I want to elevate the whole um, biblical understanding of hospitality. And I believe there's even an eschatological uh, element to this, um, which is um, really, really Important. So I want to start just by reading Isaiah 25, verse 6. And um, it basically says this, uh, On this mountain, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the peoples of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, uh, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the cloud, the gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the whole earth. So here's the prophet Isaiah looking at that last day, the day when um, death will actually be defeated and uh, that uh, the shadow of death will be completely gone. Uh, As we know now, when Jesus comes again, that great uh, and glorious day and it, it, it talks about it in terms of a banquet and uh, uh, I used to, my dad and my grandma used to make homemade wine and I was brought up with cloudy wine from <laughs> people who weren't making it that brilliantly so when I read here clear well-aged wine I, I, I actually have something to um, <laughs> contrast it uh, with and choice meat and I and, I don't think this is just figurative. I actually do believe that there is a banquet being prepared for us. In fact, um, it um, goes on to say that um, in Revelation, and uh, John in his, in, in, when he's looking at that final day, says this, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready, and it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For fine linen is the righteous act of the saints. And he said, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so Isaiah is seeing it, John is seeing it, that the Lord of hosts is actually going to be preparing a fantastic banquet for us and uh, I've always uh, taken back that it's talking about um, meat from often from the lamb the wine very Mediterranean actually in uh, some of its concepts I just wondered if the Bible was ever written in Mexico or with Latin Americans or or um, Indians I wonder if there would be a different choice of words for that for that banquet but the reality is there's something going to happen at that great time when Jesus comes again uh, around a banquet. And um, when Jesus himself is walking this earth, 
It says uh, this, uh, a guy said to him, hearing Jesus, a man sitting at the table eating with Jesus exclaimed, what blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And so I guess first point I'm trying to make is that there's something about the kingdom of God when we eat together. There's something that's taking hold of the future, this great banquet that's going to happen when the Son of Man and the Bride come together. And actually we are uh, taking part of the kingdom here on earth. Sometimes we think of healing of the kingdom coming to earth and we talk about deliverance of something about a touch of heaven coming to earth. Well, I would say this, when we are together around table eating together we are experiencing something of the kingdom of god on earth i think that makes a deal of difference in the way we look at it it puts it on a different plane as far as i'm concerned so that's when we uh, see and we'll look at this in a moment or two when the early church one of the things it first says is they ate together they broke bread and ate together breaking bread is remembering jesus's death it's also remembering the fact he's going to come again. He's risen from the dead. We eat together. It's part of that same eschatological meal that we're going to uh, have. So let's um, just look at some of the um, kind of theologians and how they uh, talk a little bit about this. N.T. Wright uh, says this. He says, most writers now agree that Jesus eating with sinners was one of the most characteristic and striking marks of Jesus's regular activity. Jesus was, as it were, celebrating the messianic banquet and doing so with all the wrong people. So the issue that uh, uh, N.T. Wright's making here is when Jesus ate with people, there was something of that messianic banquet. And the issue was not that as far as the uh, scribes and Pharisees were concerned, it was actually, he was doing it with sinners. He was sharing something of the kingdom of God with the wrong people. And in fact, if you look through the scriptures, the more Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners, the more the Pharisees actually got agitated and angry. And it's like the kingdom of God was present in those times. And actually, Jesus, as N.T. Wright says, actually was doing it with all the wrong people. You see, um, Luke 7, 34 says this, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Here comes a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And so he was branded, I mean... Uh, you know, a, 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 a drunken and, and, and someone who was um, a glutton, and that probably was a, not, probably was an overstatement, but it was because it was one of his main activities. And uh, so, I hope I'm just kind of beginning to elevate what um, I say can sometimes be mundane, normal, almost non-spiritual into something I think much, much more important about the kingdom of God. I think the other thing, uh, which is not so true in the culture that I live in, in in the UK, but definitely true in uh, Eastern culture and and, uh, in, in 
Israel in Jesus's time when he walked the earth is that when you ate with somebody, you actually inferred on them dignity, honor. You basically were saying to them, hey, you're my brother, you're my sister. I am with you and you are with me. So as you broke bread, as you uh, carved the meat, as you ate the vegetables and and, uh, etc. together, there was something more happening. That's why when Zacchaeus came down from that tree, when Jesus said, please come down, and one of the first things he said to him was, I want to come to your house to have a meal. And it, it so overwhelmed Zacchaeus that he basically said, look, all I have, I'm going to give to the poor, everybody I've defrauded. See, what Jesus was saying is, and he actually, actually literally says this, this man now is a true son of Abraham. So he did it with his actions and he did it with his words. He's basically saying this outcast, chief tax collector, hated by all of you, so much that he has to hide in a tree because he's scared of being mobbed by the crowd. He's basically saying this, as I go back to his house, this is a true son of Abraham. I never think about bringing dignity to someone that I have food with. But you know, there is something about that. There's something about honouring the person, especially when you go to their homes. I live on a a road that is mainly uh, uh, Asian background people. And uh, I love it. I get lots of curries. (laughs) And you know what? They just like to bless. You do a simple thing and they just like to bless. And the way they bless is by hospitality. It's by sharing uh, what they've cooked uh, with one another. I'm I'm learning even more, uh, even from the uh, road that I'm living on. So, um, Jeremiah says this, to understand what Jesus was doing in eating with sinners, it's important to realise that in the East, even today, to invite a person for a meal was an honour. It was to offer peace, trust, brotherhood, forgiveness. Exactly what I've just said. In short, sharing a table meant sharing life. Jesus' meals with publicans and sinners was an expression of the mission and message of himself. So I'm kind of just putting some stuff there just to kind of elevate it. Now, just a few other uh, um, points and then uh, uh, I want to do some instructions. But as I said in, in the early church, they ate together. Um, I've said that it's uh, the qualification of a leader. Um, I've talked about the fact that if you entertain strangers. And then there's another one in Romans where Paul says, do not stop practicing hospitality in Romans 12. So even to a hospitable culture, Paul is urging them to not forget to practice um, hospitality. So it's interesting. So that's, I say, very quickly a bit of a backdrop in terms of, um, uh, and there's plenty others I could go on and on, but just to to keep the uh, time tight. Uh, There is some instructions as well. 
in the New Testament about hospitality, which I think will be just helpful and maybe a little bit provocative um, to look at. So, um, so the first instruction is this. He, he says to his 12 and then to the 70, when he sends them out on mission, he says this, find a person of peace. He says, and in that house, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. Eating and drinking whatever they give you. That's a big statement, in, especially in the West, in the, in the affluent West, where we have massive supermarkets, which actually have every taste catered for. I remember a friend of mine was a, a, um, a missionary in Nepal, went out to see her a few years ago. And uh, when she came back to the UK, she said the culture shock was greater coming back into Ireland than going to Nepal. And she said the biggest one was this, going into a supermarket and getting totally freaked out on the amount of food and the choices. She actually had to go out because it was just overwhelming. Um, and uh, what happens is we get choosy and we, we kind of um, get selective. And then basically we get invited to someone's house and, and then we do we eat everything that's put in front of us? Um, I would say that missionally, what Jesus was basically saying is, I want you to infer dignity onto that person. I want you to confer peace, shalom on them. And you do that by eating, <laughs> drinking, whatever they give you. So that's a challenge. I challenge our church on it. And uh, I would just say, um, for the gospel's sake, <laughs> and uh, we'll come back to those who can't eat everything, etc., etc., in a moment, but just want to let that sit there. Second uh, instruction that we get is from 1 Peter 4. No, they're not in order, these, they're just uh, as they're on my notes. Peter says this, offer hospitality without grumbling. <laughs> Offer hospitality without grumbling. I know what it's like when we're short of money, when we're busy, when just life is hectic, kids, uh, work, and then, and then it's almost like, oh, and we've got to have these people around. And there's something gets into your spirit, which actually turns something that's a blessing to people, something part of the kingdom of God, into something that actually... Uh, makes us grumble. So Peter, it's interesting, says this, offer hospitality without grumbling. I just think it's a challenge. I think actually, uh, I have to do that with my wife and myself, just have to watch our hearts sometime uh, with this. In Luke 7, 44, we see that actually also offering hospitality is caring for our guests. So uh, I'll read just the, 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 the kind of narrative here. Um, oh, Jesus is reclining at these long benches that they would have had in the, in then, and uh, basically he was in a tax collector in a, in a Pharisee's uh, ruler of the Jews' house, and a woman comes in and basically breaks an alabaster jar of very rich perfume 
um, on his feet. And so he's getting some antsy conversation going on, some negative conversation. And Jesus said this, turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, the, the Pharisee, do you see this woman? I entered this house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she uh, washed my feet with her tears. You and wiped them with your hair. You gave me no kiss, but since she came in, she has not ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. This he said is this Simon, you've given me lovely food, but a terrible welcome. <laughs> you didn't make me feel like a friend, like a brother in this house. This lady might have not given me all the food, but she really did honour me, look after me. And so sometimes I've been places and I think sometimes when we've invited people, my mind's been somewhere else and I haven't done the basic care, conversation, looking after people. So part of hospitality is the community, <laughs> the love, the care for people. Another thing is, another instruction that we have in the New Testament is actually when there's poor people amongst us. So some of you will know the passage in Corinthians where they came together to eat like they did in the Jerusalem church and then break bread together. And basically the rich people were pushing their head in the queue. It was the rich people that were eating and the poor people were not. And uh, basically, it says this one remains hungry while another gets drunk. And then he says to the people who were reasonably affluent, do you not have homes to eat in? <laughs> so actually, there's a, a real encouragement that we need to look after the poor when we're talking about hospitality. We need to make sure, I would say this in our society, that it's accessible for the poor. Sometimes our homes are not that accessible for poorer people. Sometimes the way we do things are not. Sometimes the way, even the way we talk about uh, how we have food and stuff, it's not accessible to the poor. And actually, there's a real urgency in the Bible to remember the poor. And actually, remembering the poor is not only money and support but it's actually the general hospitality of the church and of the community if the poor cannot be find accessibility into it then actually we are losing big ground and then um, i think these may provoke some thoughts in people and then just finally just to kind of um, wrap up uh, this talk, and you can imagine there's lots to talk on on this, but I've tried to just give you a bit of a eschatological framework, a little bit of Jesus and uh, what happened to him, a little bit of the New Testament, and then these few um, thoughts in terms of instructions of how to behave, etiquette. <laughs> um, and it, the, the last one really is be gracious in Romans 14. Well, four, because I started off by saying, eat everything. <laughs> and actually, that could be pressure on different sections of people. Some people who are intolerant to some food. Some people who, who religiously, from their background, would not be able to eat certain foods. Uh, there's just a number of reasons why that instruction <laughs> actually could be very condemning for and hard to some people. So... Basically, Paul says this, 
Accept those who are weak in faith without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. So I started off with a, which was Jesus's urgency to his disciples. Come on, hospitality is so important. They're going to care for you. Honour them. Eat everything. And I'm kind of putting the other side of it, which is there's numbers of reasons um, why it just may not be applicable that everybody can eat everything. And therefore, as a church, we're not to hold it <laughs> against people and not to be judgmental. Um, and I hope I've kind of held both those, I would say, instructions um, in, in kind of tension. I nearly said balance, but I, I think the nice, glorious tension. So I think we're just about um, nearing our, our, our half hour there. Um, so as you can see, when someone says to me, it's kind of a poor thing that some people only want to go to church for food, <laughs> to a meeting where there's food. I want to say, hey, it's not only food, but boy, isn't it a great part of the kingdom of God? Well, we hope you enjoyed this hangout and it didn't make you feel too hungry. For full access to the Q&A with Colin that followed the Hangout plus the notes on everything that Colin had to say, you can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 38. And if you do visit thebroadcastnetwork.org, you can also get access to our full library of training materials and you can sign up for updates about all of our upcoming Hangouts.